Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. There's an is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott. What a goal. It's been flicked in by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal from the Gunners. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast for the week of Monday, the 17th of October. I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up on this week's show, the little Spanish magician Santi Cazorla joins us to discuss his penalty-taking technique. It's the return of Access Arsenal as well, where Kieran Lewis joins us from Arsenal Soccer Schools. We hear from Safe Hands himself, David Seaman, as ever, we kick off with the weekend review. Arsenal entertained Swansea City at Emirates Stadium, looking to make it six wins in a row in all competitions. Theo Walcott continued his fine run of form, scoring twice to put the Gunners two up inside the first half. Towards Granit Xhaka. Xhaka turns away from Cook, who's chasing everything down, getting through lots of work, as David has pointed out already. Now it's with Awobi. Walcott, first touch is good. Infield towards Alexis, curls it back towards Hector Bering. Bering with a header back across the face of goal, and uh, Walcott might be able to get in here and does! Well, we were just speaking about Theo Walcott and it looked like the chance had gone, but it's his persistence and it's his positional ability to get in the right place at the right time that has made him force home from close range. Santi Cazorla, and it comes, it's towards Mustafi, it's nodded away and then the shot on the turn is forced home here. Theo Walcott has got another, would you believe? It fell so kindly to him inside the six-yard box. There was no one near him in Swansea colours. He had time to spin and shoot home from four or five yards out. Fabianski nowhere. Arsenal have got a second. Swansea responded before the interval, but Mesut Ozil restored the two-goal lead for Arsenal with a quite sensational goal. Walcott controls back in field towards Alexis. Alexis looks to chip it inside the area. It's towards Ozil! Birthday boy! the score sheet with a thumping close range volley Fabianski no chance whatsoever and Arsenal lead by three goals to one it still wasn't all plain sailing there Gilfie Sigurdsson cutting the lead in half again for the Swans and then Granit Xhaka was sent off for the Gunners Arsenal held on though to go level on points with Manchester City at the top of the Premier League table let's hear from the boss on Ursel's wonder strike I do not want uh, to compare but it was a great goal Ozil uh, when you see him finishing today, you uh, think a little bit uh, 
he doesn't take enough his chances to to shoot, you know, because when you see him in training, he scores uh, basically when he wants. And uh, you speak with the keepers, he's one of the most difficult players to predict where he will put the ball. So, And in the game, uh, I'm happy that he gets goals. I hope that gives him the taste to, to try more. So two goals as we heard from Theo Walcott. Let's hear from the England forward on his performance and how he should have had a hat-trick. Theo, two goals for yourself. I mean, that game had everything this afternoon, didn't it? What was your assessment? Not quite. It didn't have a hat-trick from me. Um, you know, disappointing a couple of chances at the end. But, you know, when you're down to 10 men, uh, we had to work really hard today. Um, you know, it's always difficult when you come back from, back from an international break. People come over from all parts of the world and uh, you only get a short amount of time to actually train together before you're at it again. Um, but, yeah, when you've got 10 men in the Premier League, it's not easy. But Swansea, they did uh, give us loads of problems. But, you know, when it was 11 men, it was quite, quite even, to be honest. But... Um, yeah, uh, very good three points in the end, definitely, when you look at the other results today. So, having made it six wins from six in all competitions, Arsenal switched their attention back to the Champions League this midweek as they prepare to take on Ludogorets. On Access Arsenal, we interview some of the individuals who work in and around the club doing all kinds of interesting jobs. And this week, I'm delighted to say that we're welcoming Kieran Lewis from Arsenal Soccer Schools to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Kieran, hello, mate. How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you. Yeah, it's good to be here. Very good to have you on the show, my friend. And the soccer schools, as we all know, do some great things all over the world as well. Maybe just start by telling us a little bit about the group and, and the setup and, and kind of how it all works. Okay, so um, soccer schools, we work globally to deliver football programs to kids all around the world. We have a team of three of us here at the, uh, um, the Arsenal Stadium. What we do is we work in different areas to deliver the program of the soccer schools. So for instance, my role is to do with all the coaching element side of things and all the football. Then we have Theo who does a lot of the administration and marketing. And then we have Mark who oversees the business side of it and how um, the operations are run. Uh, each location. So we operate globally around the world. Our main aim is to engage with our fans that are in different locations all over the world. We want to engage with them, we want to create more fans by offering them and showing them the way that Arsenal play football and how we develop players. It's all about the kids enjoying themselves in a fun environment, learning lots of different skills, um, but we make it an Arsenal environment. Very interesting. And obviously a lot of people will know the Arsenal way of playing football out on the pitch, for example. Yeah. So you're actually kind of trying <coughs> to encapsulate that, but on this big global scale, which is really exciting. But I guess it must have its logistical challenges as well. Yeah, it is quite difficult sometimes because we operate on such a global scale. We're in 24 <coughs> different countries at wow. the moment. Um, so we have lots of... Each soccer school is kind of unique because of its environment, its culture, its language. So we have to kind of adapt and mould it to fit that model and fit how it works within that environment, that, um, that country as such. Wow. And do you get a bit of global travel yourself as a result to check up on some of these far-flung, nice, hot, exotic places? Or Yeah, yeah I wouldn't say we check up on them, <laughs> but um, there is a lot of travel involved. We're going to see the programmes, going to assist them. Um, 
I do a lot of coach education in my role, so I'm just trying to educate the coaches to show them how we want our philosophies delivered to the children, what coaching methods we use, how we can make the programme better for them and make it more Arsenal. And we try and give everything that we have new here and all our ideas and push it out to them so they can be as successful as possible. And we want the kids to have the best experiences. So the better trained our staff are, less globally, the better uh, likelihood they are to coach the kids in a better way. So let's just sort of pick a, a specific country. It could be anywhere <coughs> from the programme you said. And the kids are coming in for their, their soccer school. Just tell me then one or two of the kind of training doctrines, one or two of the things that perhaps you guys would, would aim to pass on, if you see what I mean. How, how will they benefit? OK, so our main approach is to understand that to develop football players, we have to develop people. So we look at a holistic approach. We look at all the different sides from the, soci uh, the social side of things to the psychological, to the physical, and then, of course, the football. And we use football as a vehicle to develop those people. Um, in terms of actual football, it's all about an attacking style of play. Lots of flair, lots of passes, lots of dribbles with the ball. We want to play exciting football. We want to play the football that when parents come to watch, they're going to get off their seats, they're going to applaud when there's goals go in, and they want to enjoy it. And we want the children to enjoy it as well. So we try and take that from how Arsenal play, what our history and philosophy has been in how we uh, play football, but put it into a soccer school context. So the skills are relative to what they're trying to learn. And we all base that towards our players. So we look at, for instance, let's say Sanchez. He's a dribbler of the ball. He's fantastic. So we try and emulate that in some of the practices we do, how we play. Ozil's a world-class passer and assister. And his vision is outstanding. So we try and put that into our sessions. So that's the football side. But then, like I say, on top of that, we understand that we've got to develop people because at the end of the day, a lot of people that play football are not going to play on the highest level of elites, probably less than 0.1%. So we're trying to give them skills that they can use in other walks of life, like how do they work as a team? How do they communicate with other people? Also, how do they motivate themselves? How can they concentrate within sessions? Get them into good habits so that they can hopefully sustain playing football and they relate that to Arsenal. So it's that affiliation of, wow, this is amazing. Look all I've done but I can do this with Arsenal as well. And just on that note as well, obviously not everybody around the world is necessarily in, in as I wouldn't say you use the term privilege, but in as perhaps as, as wealthy a position as, as some of us here in the UK, for example. So, yeah. so for some of these countries and for some of these kids growing up, this is actually a really good opportunity as well for, for their future life. Yeah, definitely, because in here, our football development is probably one of the best in the world and where we sit because we have lots of infrastructure in football but a lot of these countries don't have that mm. and we go in and offer that we show them that structure to how to not just play football but we also educate the coaches and we also give them an environment where they can go and express themselves play against other teams as such um, so it does allow them to develop on that pathway to becoming a better football player so from your point of view you've talked at great length and really interesting about what you guys do why you do it and how it works what about you how did you get involved with all of this in the first place and, and how long have you been doing it um, I've just been in my uh, past my first year now so I've been in the role for around about 14 months it's a fantastic role um, I've never thought I'd be doing something like this for a club like Arsenal <laughs> it's, it's amazing um, but for me getting into this I when I was younger I played a lot of football but I never quite had the the caliber to make the grade I played at certain levels then I decided to go to university and take on a sports science role I got interested into how people learn and started coaching um, whilst playing 
and then I caught the bug really of coaching, seeing young players develop, working with people all the time, ticked a lot of boxes for me. Um, and then doing various different jobs. I worked in a few academies down at the South Coast. Um, and then uh, I met someone who was working at Arsenal Soccer Schools in some type of capacity. I got involved uh, talking to them. I started going delivering coach education programs abroad. I think one of my first trips was going out to Italy and working with some coaches out there and nice. how we want to train them as such. And then this position became available and uh, I jumped straight at it. I thought it was a fantastic thing to do. Not just for the, the coaching, not just for working for a fantastic club, but also living in a great city as well. Um, so ticked a lot of boxes for me. And I'm happy to be here where I am now. <laughs> right here in the Arsenal yeah. podcast studio, exactly. Obviously, yeah. Um, obviously, you've been to Iraq recently, haven't mm -hmm. you? I mean, that really stood out for me is encapsulating a lot of what we've already talked about, but just as one specific opportunity. Just tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so what it was is we sent um, one of our coaches out there to go and deliver uh, some courses. They were working with Save the Children to build some football pitches um, over in Iraq. And our coach went out there. They delivered some coaching to a lot of the children around there and they brought them together for a big tournament. They also worked with some of the parents and that lot to show them some things that they could deliver to the children while they're coaching to just really... Um, bring in that Arsenal philosophy and show them the presence of what we're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And it was a fantastic experience, not just for the children out there, but for our coach as well. We went out there, they come back and there was lots of positivity and uh, really touched by, by what they'd done. And we always conclude these kind of interviews with, with a couple of questions. One of which I wanted to ask you is, Iraq clearly would be up there, but what has been your favourite or, or one of your favourite memories and moments of working with Arsenal so far? Um, there's been so many um, and I've only been in the role for like 14 months but I definitely think one of my highlight points was going out to um, on the tour when we went out to Singapore oh, wow. I managed to be out there I was working um, in partnership with the Premier League delivering some training to local coaches out there for Arsenal and we also met a lot of our soccer schools that operate we have a very big soccer school that runs in Singapore um, but also running events with the Emirates where you get to work with the players on such close proximity um, and it was a fantastic experience. I managed to see some great things like the kit launch out there for the away kit. And just the whole environment was fantastic. It was, it was football, football, football. And there was just seeing the fans out there and how they reacted to, to Arsenal being there. It was every day you, you got up, you went down for breakfast and there'd be a queue of people waiting outside just wanting autographs and wanting to meet the first team. And you see them there and... It was just a great experience. Wow, absolutely incredible. And um, what would you say is the best thing about being part of the Arsenal family? The global element is fascinating from what you've said, but what really encapsulates it all for you? I think the way that everyone's treated within the club, everyone's um, seen as an equal, everyone's given the right amount of time and everything's done properly. We really do try and stick to our philosophies here and you can see everyone acting with class on a consistent basis and they're always acting with each other as well, trying to help and assist each other to get better. And that's something that I've noticed a lot working in this environment and it's been fantastic. It allows you to, yourself personally, to expand um, allows you to develop in certain areas and they assist you with that. So I think that environment to work in has been incredible. Brilliant stuff. That's Kieran Lewis joining us from Arsenal Soccer Schools here on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Really interesting chat, mate, and thank you for coming by. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or Charlie George, who can hit him. It's up for grabs now! Thomas! 
On the 22nd of October 2005, with Arsenal facing Manchester City, we saw one of the strangest moments in Highbury's history. What's he done? Well, he pretended to take it and then didn't seem to take it. And the referee's given a free kick the other way. What an extraordinary incident. Well, Arsenal went on to win the game 1-0, but the match will always be remembered for that infamous spot kick attempt. Here is Thierry Henry and the boss reacting to what happened. What happened? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> 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 it was one of the most extraordinary moments, wasn't it? Um, unfortunately for Robert, it's going to be in, um, um, in all those kind of tabs that you can have about strange things that happen on the pitch. It's, it's part of, uh, of uh, the game as well to make uh, these kind of mistakes. And uh, I think he's uh, vaccinated now for the rest of his life to take a penalty like that. That's a positive, that's a positive sign of, of it. Uh, it was on a lack of respect to no one, but you have to remember that football, don't get me wrong, once again, we shouldn't have done it. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Football also, it's a game, and people keep on forgetting that it's an entertainment also. Santi Cazorla has enjoyed a fine start to this season. Brilliant to see the little Spanish magician back fully fit and firing. He's also scored a couple of penalties in the campaign already. Here is Santi talking to Carl Finocchiaro about his spot kick technique. Santi, welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. We're going to talk specifically about penalties and how to take a good penalty. Firstly, do you enjoy taking penalties? Yes, of course. Of course. It's a good responsibility, but... Uh... I feel good when I have to shoot uh, penalties for this club, of course. You're not nervous? Yes, always nervous, because if you miss, it's a bad thing for me and for the team. But uh, you have to take, uh, and it's a good responsibility, but uh, if the boss says me you have to take, it's no problem for me. 
how do you stay focused when you're out there taking a penalty? Like, do you, do you listen to the noise? Can you hear the crowd? Yes, you need to be confident, you know, it's the most important thing because if you think, oh, I have to shoot this, this, uh, this side or I have to shoot this side, if, this is the bad thing. This is you, you need to be confident. You say, okay, I have to shoot this way. It's definitely, you have to shoot there and I go there. If you have to change uh, the last minute or the last second, it's uh, always missed, I think so. What's the story with you? Do, you? do you have the decision made before you even walk to the penalty spot or wh where do you decide? In the, last mo the last moment. Really? For example, against Southampton, I look at the keeper and it's massive, this guy, man. <laughs> <laughs> and really? so I think because Lolo was on the floor and I have to think uh, a lot of time, uh, a lot of players of them say, yeah, you have to shoot out, please, and say, okay. But they need to be uh, comfortable and confident. And I think the best thing was shoot in the middle because this guy is uh, massive and the most important thing was the score. But so you decided when you walked up and you put the ball down, and at the point the ball is down, you still haven't decided. Yeah, yeah. The oh, last, wow. the last um, ten seconds just before to start to running. So I have, to, I take the, the decision there. Do you make eye contact with the goalkeeper beforehand? Yes, yes. But I, you, what, I try. What, are you, what are you thinking when you're looking at it? Are you trying to psych him out a bit? I uh, because I spoke a lot with Ospina, no, uh, and with Peter Czech, and they tell me uh, if you shoot middle, it's very difficult. The keeper stay there. It's true if they stay, it's like that, you know. <laughs> but uh, in this moment, it's the last minute, and I think it was the best decision for for this moment. Do you study goalkeepers the way goalkeepers study penalty takers? No, 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 no. I don't study uh, the keepers when they go. So I take the decision in the last seconds. Uh, how about the best penalty takers you've seen? Do you look at other players and go, wow, they're fantastic. Like Alan Shearer is a fantastic penalty taker. The best penalty if you score. That's it. How about penalty takers? Come on, there must be someone you look at that go, they're going to get it in. I don't know. For example, I like, uh, I don't know if you know him, uh, it's uh, Mendieta. Yes, Kaiske Mendieta. He played for Valencia and he did a lot of goals of penalty, and top class. It's uh, like watch. At the time, look the look the keeper, and the last second, it's uh, turn uh, uh, shoot uh, this side side on the middle, and for me, was one of the best uh, players take penalties. Did you ever watch Maradona take a penalty? What he used to do? I saw him, but not too much. I don't remember. Uh... He, he used to walk up and watch, keep looking at the keeper, and then decide once the keeper had moved. Yeah, it's similar uh, Hazard. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah, before he take penalties like that, but for me, no, no, it's the, no, it's the, the same way that the, them. Cool. So, what's the secret to the perfect penalty? If I'm going to go up and take a penalty, what are you going to tell me? For me, the most important thing is to be uh, comfortable and uh, know what you want to to do. Uh, this is the most important thing when you have to take a penalty. Uh, to be uh, clever and say, okay, I have to do it, and I go, and I go to do. If you think I uh, have to do it, but uh, the last second, no, I change. This is the bad thing I think you miss.
David Seaman will be among 11 names to be inducted into the National Football Museum's Hall of Fame this coming Wednesday. Seaman signed for the club in 1990 for £1.3 million, then a British record fee for a goalkeeper. It was certainly money well spent as Seaman stayed 13 years in the end and racked up 564 appearances in all competitions, winning a hatful of titles and trophies in the process. Here is Seaman talking to Nick Brumsack of Arsenal Media about his legendary career. Did you have a particular uh, favourite type or, or style of save? You know, it's maybe diving full no, stretch no, or, or no, diving. Like, as a goalkeeper, you've got to you've got to be ready for everything. Not, mm. not for everything, for anything. You know, because you don't know what sort of save. I, 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 my favourite save would be reaction saves. Mm-hmm. You know, ones that are like you know, not not like a long shot where you you know you've got time to move your feet and things like that. It's like the quick reactions that you see. And, and, that, and they, they, I like them because you, you've got to be in a set position or a position where your head's not panicking, mm. you, where you've got a steady head and your focus is on the ball. And once you get your eyes on the ball and you follow that ball with your eyes, your, your body will react. And then it's how quick you can, your body can react after that. Um, did you spend a lot of time with the back four as well in training? <laughs> loads and loads like you would not believe. <laughs> <laughs> like hours and hours. Especially with George, under George Graham, you, you know, that's where the back four came from, really. Mm. Um, and, and we would spend, like, lots of time just, just having, not practice matches, but, like, the back four against the strikers in the midfield. You know, and it would, it would be, like, the back four and me against, like, sometimes it'd be, like, eight players. <laughs> and they'd still never score. <laughs> Um, and finally, when, when you're coaching young goalkeepers, um, yeah. what techniques are important for them to learn? Is it what you said earlier about setting your feet and, and making sure your head's straight? Yeah, it's, there's, a set, there's like a set position. You know, if you're in control, there's a set position that you need to get, you need to have to be able to save any shot mm-hmm. or header. You know, so, you know, like people, you know, people do drills and they say, right, we're going to hit, you know, like six balls low on the ground if you, if you say that to the goalkeeper he will naturally just, he will start by going low in his knees mm. you know but if you tell them that if you don't tell them where they're going to go, where it's going to go they need they need to be able to get to the low shot and the high shot from one position yeah do you understand what I mean yes yeah you know or even like you know to be able to spring you know to make a dive from that position you know because you don't know what's going to happen you know sometimes if the ball is Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. Adrian Clark joins me at the chalkboard. And Clarky, before we talk about a variety of Middlesbrough related things, uh, David Seaman inducted into the National Football Museum's Hall of Fame, as we've just been hearing. Uh, what are your memories of the game? Oh, well, first of all, a much deserved place in that Hall of Fame. I mean, he's a legend. What a goalkeeper. Um, my personal memories of him are how hard he was to beat in training, especially when we do shooting drills. Your shots had to be. Absolutely perfect. They had to have the, the, the right power and be totally precise to, to nip inside the post. Otherwise, he'd just smother pretty much every shot. Um, 
Brilliant keeper, um, did the business for such a long period of time in the first team here, very, very consistent. And as a fella, he was, he was very nice, he was really friendly, and <laughs> what he used to do with me. I think, I think we got on pretty well, but every time he used to walk past me in the corridor, he'd just give me a dig in the stomach and, <laughs> and, and start, uh, and start chuck, chuckling to him, so, oh, 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 in his big, deep laugh. And uh, yeah, he, he gave me a few digs in the ribs, but they were always lighthearted. All healed now? Just about, yeah, but he's got big fists. <laughs> <laughs> well, from David Seaman and that very interesting and unique recollection onto Middlesbrough, who Arsenal play this coming weekend. Promoted team, obviously. Um, pretty solid effort so far, though. Solid, but they haven't got a lot of points, have they? That's the issue for them, um, Middlesbrough. I think they would have expected to have done a bit better. Uh, disappointing last time out, losing at home to Watford. I think that would have been a bit of a blow to them. Um, you're right to call them solid though. Uh, Karanka is a, is a tactical manager. He likes to keep things tight. And I've looked at their away games and they are better away from home. And in eight different halves of football so far this season on their travels, they've only conceded goals in three of those eight, which I think suggests that they are very solid, well organised. You know, in the majority of halves away from home, they can have a shutout. So, so Arsenal going to need to move them around. So solidity is going to be a key. What do you think their tactical approach will be for an away game at Emirates Stadium? <laughs> what do you think? I think it's going to be pretty negative. Um, not completely. <laughs> because The 8-1-1 formation. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say it would be, be that defensive, but, but they're not going to take a lot of risks. It's, it's all about keeping their shape, I think, with Middlesbrough. Uh, they, they do have some quite good offensive players. They haven't hit top form. Stuani, I guess, would be the key man in terms of making things happen. Ramirez hasn't got going. Downing's hit and miss. A um, couple of others have been tried out. So I think their strength is in their shape. It'll be 4-2-1, which will be a 4-5-1 without the ball. And it will be down to Arsenal to open up gaps. They won't offer them up readily. I, I can predict that. So a key battleground then, what would you pick out for this one? Well, I, I, I pick out a key battleground in the midfield because you've got two really combative players and you've got Francis Coquelin who's going to come back into the side we expect up against a guy called Martin Darun, Dutchman, who... Um, he played in Italian football, he's strong, he's improving game on game and he is their Coquelin, if you know what I mean. Um, if he has a good game, it will lay the platform for, for a decent counter-attacking performance for Middlesbrough. They'll, they'll stay solid and he'll, he'll, he'll help spring counters. If Coquelin has a good game and dominates the engine room with his drive and quick passing as well, I think Arsenal will sweep forward and, and, and hopefully play the majority of this match in Middlesbrough's half. If that happens and Arsenal play at a fast pace, they should be OK. And that would then allow the likes of Cathal and one or two of the other players to really boss and have more space and time to yeah. do what they do It's best not the kind well. of game where we need two or three players in front of the back four, I would imagine. It'd be more of a 4-1, 4-1 mm. from Arsenal's perspective. Um, with, with, with Coquelin, even though he's, he's played a bit more advanced this season, but I'd imagine he would do the, the, the shielding job to some degree. Laying the platform, as I said, for Kazola, Urza, all the other guys to do their magic. So yeah, I think he's got a role to play, even though um, Arsenal should be on the front foot. And the age-old archetypal question to conclude. In a sentence, Adrian Clark, how do you beat Middlesbrough? You beat Middlesbrough by playing fast football. Play it slow. They will close up those gaps. Move the ball from side to side very quickly. Have midfield runners all at speed. And I think we can score goals, even though Middlesbrough are a good defensive outfit. Well, Clarkie, thank you for your thoughts on that. And 
I can hear the faint ringing of a phone in the distance. I thought the Arsenal Weekly podcast editor, Liam Roberts, was off away on holiday this week, but he can't stop checking in on us. He can't leave us on our own. Liam, you're on the line. I'm a dick. Just like Clarky, even when I'm not in the studio, I'm still working. So uh, <laughs> here I am via the magic of the telephone. Dedication, mate. Love it, love it. So you're joining us, of course, for our uh, latest prediction results and uh, carrying on that this week. Yeah, so results from last week, straight away, amazing thing. Russell Hargreaves has got another one entirely correct. Another, <laughs> I, I don't believe it, but he's opened up a six-point gap on, uh, on Adrian. He said that because if Theo Walcott would have the most shots in the game, and he had six. Well, it's just, it's, it's all going wrong in. for me, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I had first pick. You even said you would have gone for Alexis. So this is just the rubber, the green is not oh, going my oh, way. Oh, oh. It's all right. So yeah, Clarky, you, you need to call something out of the bag this week because uh, there's a gap opening up. Yeah, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not happy. Go on then, what's the question? <laughs> OK, so this week we're going to ask you the minute of the first goal in the game against Middlesbrough. OK, and who's first? You. And it's Russell this week. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. It's one of those where you know. No, I'm not. I'm not going to moan. I was. I'm going to resist the temptation to moan. This is. This is. This is a fair game. Um, yeah. So, bitterness might start yeah, to be. Yeah, I'm not going to be bitter. Otherwise, Adrian Clark. Um, I am going to say minutes. Would it be 21 to 30? Is that how we're doing it? Um, I think we'll go zero to 10, 10 to 20, and then I'll. I'll even go by the second. So it's, it's... Okay. Well, I'll say 20 to 30 then. Okay. Yeah, this is, it's a good call. It's a sensible call. It's probably the call I would have, I would have made myself, actually. <laughs> um, I think it might take us a little while to break Middlesbrough down, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go for 50 to 60. How about that? 50 to 60, OK. So that's locked in, and um, hopefully you, Adrian, you'll, uh, you'll get the points in the bag because it's becoming a bit of a round at the moment. Yeah, don't hold your breath. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, thank you for joining us. Go back and enjoy the rest of your day off and spend some time with your lovely wife. Uh, Clarky, great work. And of course, more from Clarky on the breakdown to look back at all of that action on arsenal.com. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Santi Cathola, to David Seaman, to Kieran Lewis and to Adrian Clark for all of their contributions today. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, clearly leaving us a five-star review in the process, then you'll never miss another episode. You can also find us these days on Acast as well. We're back on Monday, the 24th of October, and until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you gunners. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. 
yahoofinance.com.